everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the sixth episode of Riverdale Season 5, Back to School. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, whose class I would audit just to see her teach, Kirsten McInnes. Kirsten, how are you doing today? Well, you know, I was hoping to do a duet of Shallows together to open the podcast, but I, I don't think I have the range, so I guess we'll just have to deal with this. I certainly do not have the range. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we just say real quick, they were not doing karaoke. That was an open mic night. Yeah. Also, can we say that um, Veronica also does not have the range? <laughs> what about Chad? I mean, his part is significantly easier. Mm. But Lady Gaga, she is not. And so I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. It's how I feel. This episode, overall, we got, we got our gang. They're all teachers now. I'm actually kind of surprised that we didn't even think of Betty being a shop teacher. Because it's... It's ludicrous, okay? I know that she knows about cars because she used to, like, fix them with her dad or whatever. That is not the same as being an actual mechanic and being able to teach kids about cars. Like, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Why couldn't she just teach gym? Because Archie is... I don't know. It doesn't really seem like they have, like, a gym class from what I can tell. It seems more like you just do a sport and that counts. Yeah, but they have no sports. Well, not yet. Uh, Well, yeah, not yet. This episode had so many laugh out loud moments, though. Like, there was a few moments where I legit legitimately guffawed. And that's that's a nice feeling. Unlike most of the other episodes that we've covered where they have either like one central plot that everyone is working towards, or they have two or three plots that everyone sort of paired up, everyone was kind of in their own plot for this one. There mm-hmm. were there were little bits of overlap here and there, some scenes with people together, but for the most part, everybody kind of had their own thing, and that's what they were doing. Except for this beginning sequence when we have, like, a first day, back to class, kind of, not exactly montage, but, like, quick sequence of, of uh, shots. Jughead is prepping by reading Of Mice and Men, which I'm sure he's read multiple times, so I'm not really sure. I guess maybe he just wanted to, like, refresh his memory on it. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's gotta be it. It's, I, I, I gotta tell you, I don't care about Jughead in this episode, like, at all. Which is not normally how I feel. I'm all about the Tony, Kevin, Fangs dynamic. Tony lives with them, which I think is further evidence that she is carrying their baby. Yeah, I also feel like I'm sad we didn't get more Fangs, especially since a portion of the plot this episode had to do with like the truckers and Betty going on that mission. I feel like Fangs or Sweet Pea should have been involved in that since they know the area. That would have been a good spot Since them. they are, in fact, truckers, they could have helped set things up a little bit. I just think that Fangs and Kevin are so cute. I don't know. I just they like are. They're they're really cute. They're really great. Like not polarizing is not the right word. They're great opposites attract couple. They yes, especially especially now when Fangs with his whole like I don't know. He just like looks different in this in this uh time jump. His little goatee. His little goatee. His little shirt sleeves. It's cute. Anyway, so uh, they all go to school and everybody's like doing their own things. Everybody's checking Veronica out, which, yeah, I guess fair. But like there's a lot of attractive people in this school being teachers. (laughs) Yeah, like she's young and hot. I get it. But it's not like Betty walked in not looking hot or like Tony walked in not looking hot. I could understand not like checking out Tony because they already know her. But, like, 
Betty's hot too. Come on. Right, exactly. Or like why were all of the girls not clamoring to be in the RROTC or something? You know, like I just I'm not really sure why Veronica is supposed to be the, the standout here, but whatever. So she's teaching economics, which we totally guessed. Archie, it looks like the RROTC is a class. It looks like it's a straight yeah. up class here. There's like six or seven students, which is a lot for a high school of a hundred people. That's a huge percentage. Yeah. Kind of bummed that there weren't any women in that class, but we're going to get the whole, like, woman doing a man's thing reveal later, so I guess we got to save that for that. Betty's teaching shop class, which we already talked about. I, like, even in my high school, which was a big high school, or, I mean, relatively big, especially compared to Riverdale, of 1,600 people, we didn't have shop class. Like, there was a technical school that was a little ways away, and you could sign up to take classes like shop or beautician classes or or uh, cooking classes is not the right word, but like whatever. Yeah. Cooking classes. H- home you know, ec. Yeah, I guess home ec, but it was like more like like chef skills. Like you could you could sign up to take those type of classes. Okay. And then like that would be like a period that you could do and you would get on the bus and go over to that school and do it at the technical institute. But like, I don't know what little tiny school is having room to have like a garage in there. So how'd they get that car in there? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I think that my high school had some kind of shop type class, but I just don't know what that is or how it worked because I was not encouraged to go into those kinds of classes. So I took all of my modules in high school as multimedia for options. So I didn't hmm. I didn't do any of the the home ec or the art or the mechanics because I I was learning in 2008 what a podcast was. Yeah, I just find it interesting. Like my middle school had wood shop and my middle school had home economics. My middle school didn't have home ec, but it did have wood shop and we all, we, well, actually they had, I can't remember what the class was called, but basically during that time you could kind of choose what you wanted to focus on. And so there was like photography, so we I, like I learned how to develop film and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. There was um, like working with vinyl to make like you could make like vinyl cutouts, like stickers and that kind of thing. You could learn screen printing. You could do wood shop type stuff. Like there was a lot of options in that period, and it was like there's only like thirty of us, so there'd be like a couple of us doing each thing, and then every couple weeks you just change to go do something else. Yeah, like we've kind of said over the last couple episodes, Riverdale doesn't really seem to have its priorities straightened out of. Like what people need to be learning. Yeah, but, but I mean, if this is um a town where a lot of people are ending up going to become truckers, and there's not that many options for the post secondary education, I actually don't think that it is like stupid to have a mechanic. No, type it's class. not. It's not stupid to have it, but I'm still wondering like who's teaching math. I guess that's. I guess that's they don't uh, have math, just somewhere. economics for the seniors. Okay, all right, whatever. And then Jughead is teaching English, of course, because. Yeah, and it's like a bunch of, I don't know, he seems to have gotten all the either like the the slacker kids or just like nobody's answering his questions or doing the reading. He's not a very intimidating presence. So, and okay, here's here's my question. So, in Canada, summer reading lists are not a thing. Oh, but really? on TV, it seems like in America you have to read like a list of books the summer before to prepare. Yeah, you have summer homework and your summer homework usually is just like, "Hey, here's the skills that we're going to need you to start the class with." 
with. And so sometimes usually you have to read like, I don't know, around two to three books for your English class or something. Or like I've had to read books for history before as well. And then usually you have some math work that you have to do just to sort of keep your brain moving over the summer. Almost always I would leave all of the summer homework for like the week leading up to school starting, which was a horrible idea. It'd be better to get it done early. So I was always like cramming reading like two or three books right at the end. And then you usually had to like write a paper or write an outline of like what you read or something before you go into class. But as far as I know, like everyone did it because it was a, you know, it was like a test grade. It was a portion of your grade. So there wasn't, you couldn't like get away with not doing it. That's messed up. When it's summer vacation, it should be summer vacation and you should not have homework over the summer. I'm sorry. That's messed up. America I has mean, problems. I'm not sure that everyone did this, but it's like, if that's what, that's what like sets apart different schools, right? Like if you want to be a school with really competitive students and you're, they're all trying to get into college, like you gotta, you gotta find time to do that. And it's just kind of... But you know what you could do if you want to be a school that's competitive and preparing people for college? Prepare them adequately during the school year. Like, screw you if you want people to do school in the summer. No, literally. Like, I don't think it's everyone. I'm sure it's like if only if you're in like advanced or AP level classes that that's Well, I what think you it's do. stupid. I think it's dumb. Okay, sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, it wasn't, I, I'm glad I'm out of it now. Like, I hated homework so much. That was my least, homework and studying for my tests was the worst thing ever. And that's why I'm really glad to be out of the whole school thing. And I had no desire to do any like upper, upper I don't know what you call that extra education after after post grad post grad yeah no I'm I'm lazy when it comes to studying well, I guess it would have so. been grad and post grad because I don't think you have a master's right I do not have a master's yeah so it would have been graduate studies never mind okay sure I don't have that that's like, neither do I and I don't yeah particularly <laughs> want to <laughs> so Hiram was a tiny little part of this episode so I just kind of wanted to chit chat real quick about okay. him he has this office that's very like I couldn't pinpoint it but is it like 70s themed 60s like what what is this style that's in this office? And where is this building? It must be in Sodale. Okay, so it has to be in Sodale because that's where Hiram hangs out. He is furious, absolutely furious at the prospect of, even though Riverdale is not a town, it still has a high school. He hates it. Yeah, he's like, there's over a hundred students there. A hundred is a tiny number for a high school. That's 25 people per grade. It's like one class per grade. But also, here's the thing. He had offered 100 scholarships and now there are over 100 students. So what? How many more students than 100? Were they just going to be screwed and have no access to any education? Because I don't think that's legal, Hiram. Maybe there were some kids who were going to go to Stonewall, but then the fact that Riverdale turned into a private school, they were like, oh, never mind, we'll just stay here. And it's like extra kids signed up. There's no way anyone is planning to go to Stonewall Prep, which is a school with an actual reputation. And they're like, you know what? I'll stay here. They've got an FBI agent and a writer and a businesswoman, and that's enough for me. Qualified teachers. What did you think of Hiram eating the Doritos? Doritos. I gotta tell you, I didn't clock any Doritos. Really? I thought it was really obvious. (laughs) (laughs) He's eating a Dorito, and then he picks up the bag and holds the bag right next to his face with Doritos out there so that everyone can see that it's definitely Doritos. Well, it's an ad, okay? That was the only time I noticed it. There might have been more throughout the episode. It's not as egregious as some of the, like, was it CoverGirl or something they were doing back in season one? My God, when they literally, the ads um, during the episodes would be um, one of the girls getting their full face done in CoverGirl makeup. And it's like, we know that's not what you're using on set. We know. I'm a big fan, though. I have a full face CoverGirl Cover makeup Girl? on. Mm-mm. <laughs> Love yourself more. I love myself exactly that price. <laughs> okay. Well, fair. 
And then we had a, a fake out where twice during the episode we see the secretary Doris Bell call people and being like, you wanted me to inform you about what was going on. And the first time I think everybody thinks it's going to be Hiram, but it's Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And then the second time it actually was Hiram. And it's like, ah, she's just an informant to She'll everyone. She'll call anyone. Yeah. I guess I was surprised that she was still at the school anyway. So this makes more sense if she's like... <laughs> This show continues. This show continues to surprise me with people that I thought were dead. (laughs) Yeah, not dead. Not dead. So she tells Hiram that Archie's trying to get a football team together. Hiram and Reggie are not happy. Yeah, because they've got the Stonewall people and they play to hurt. Okay? (sighs) Oh my gosh. Play to hurt. Yeah, I just can't, can't get into it. So let's talk about Veronica's plot line. It was the one that made me the most mad. Not at her exactly, but at Chad for sure. I hate Chad. And um, we did get some blowback on me saying that Chad was being abusive. No, when you cut off someone's access to money, that's financial abuse. I'm sorry. That's just um, literally what it is. No, I mean, I, I think that I think that Chad, in my opinion, is being very... Like, the relationship is toxic as a whole. Like, I don't think Veronica right. is great either. But uh, the fact... Cutting someone off from financial resources is abuse. I'm sorry. It's abuse. Yeah, no, I mean, and a crime as well. But also, I think that Chad, he's, I think he's very clearly emotionally uh, abusive and manipulative toward her. And there's, there's a couple points I wrote down, like specific things that he's done that I'm like, wow, have I seen this before? Um, <laughs> so that, that's real fun. So yeah, we hate, that. we hate Chad. Um, yeah, I, I really thought that Chad was going to be like, you know, maybe he'd be bad, maybe he'd be good, maybe he'd sort of fluctuate, kind of like like how Reggie was in the first two seasons of like he's sometimes a jerk and then he sometimes has good moments. I thought that was what we were getting from Chad. But no, the number of times that Chad dropped Hiram's name in this, I'm like, Chad is just Hiram. That's Chad's yeah. younger Hiram. Well, and that's the thing too is it's like, it w- I think it would have been a lot more compelling if Chad had good moments and bad moments and we were kind of left wondering, is he actually good or is he actually bad? But they made him just straight up bad. And what doesn't make sense to me is Veronica literally did not tell Hiram that she was marrying this man and now suddenly he's on a first name basis with him like that just doesn't add up yeah, so I think that either Chad and Hiram have been much more in cahoots for a bit longer than Veronica even notices. Not exactly sure how that could have happened. Chad finds out that she's marrying someone, dating someone. He contacts them, is like, hey, I'll pay you to keep an eye on her, keep her locked down, keep her in New York, wh- whatever the situation is. I'm sure that Hiram has been putting information in Chad's head about Archie and about how they used to date and that he needs to watch out for him, whatever it is. I, I definitely think that there's been communication, whether the communication has been in the last couple days or if it's been longer than that, we don't know, but I'm suspicious. Yeah, it is. It doesn't seem good. So Veronica is trying to set up a jewelry store in an old video store, which they don't say outright, but could be the Blue Velvet. I, I didn't see any signage. I think I think we're supposed to believe it was the Blue Velvet. Like, I don't understand what other store was like that in Riverdale, right? Right. So she wants to turn it into a jewelry store. I, I don't really know why she wants to set up a shop in a failing town. That's very much not essential. But later on, she says it's really close to so. So like maybe I I don't know. This is a thing that definitely seems to make way more sense in a place like New York that has, you know, millions of people. Well, and you know where a lot of people are very wealthy, whereas Riverdale, it seems like the only people left in Riverdale are the people that can't afford to leave. 
Right. So I don't really get it. But she's sort of working with Smithers on that idea. Chad's going to show up to surprise Veronica with donuts and flowers because he's... I think they were supposed to be cupcakes, though. Oh, or cupcakes. Whatever it was. Because, like, later in the episode... Like, I thought they were donuts, too. And then later in the episode, he brings up that he showed up with delicious cupcakes. And then that's, like, a kind of fun Ah. throwback to season one Riverdale when Veronica's always talking about the New York cupcakes. Okay, that makes more sense. So then there's several scenes in this episode where they're hanging out in like a teacher's lounge I kind of area. I think it's the teacher's lounge. And it's huge. It's like the biggest, I mean, I assume this is the, a redesigned, repurposed version of the student lounge we used to see. Yeah, because I mean, we're not going to have to see any students hanging out in the student's lounge. So I don't think they need that set anymore. So I think, yeah, they just changed a few things to make it the teacher's lounge. But it's so comical to me that that would be like the quote unquote, like break room for the teachers. It's giant. Like a teacher's lounge is a small room the size of a classroom or smaller that might have like a table or two and a couple fridges and a microwave. This is amazing. This is a swanky room. So anyway, they're hanging out in there and Tony is like, hey, we're doing karaoke night at the White Worm and everyone's down and stuff. And so at karaoke night, Veronica is going to sing Shallow. Chad joins in. As I said before, this is open mic, not karaoke because there's no lyrics anywhere that I can see. Yeah. He was he's a decent singer. It's whatever. He's fine. Jughead makes a really great facial expression, though, that like perfectly summed up my thoughts during this. He's just kind of like staring off into space, not really paying attention. And then Tabitha is going to like sort of look at him and be like, oh, isn't this cute? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. And then just kind of goes back to staring off into space. Even if this were karaoke rather than an open mic night, you know what nobody wants? A friggin' couple doing a gross duet. I'm sorry. Nobody's interested. Don't kiss on stage. Don't be like slow dancing up there. That's nobody wants this. I don't know why Kevin is crying. Kevin needs Kevin, to leave. Yeah, Kevin crying was so precious to me. Like you just know that he is thinking so much about the movie and the emotions and he really feels it. But I just am upset that, that that's the number we got. We couldn't get anything, you know, more upbeat. Something maybe in, you know, Veronica's range because again, she's not Lady Gaga. Nobody is. We could have gotten Kevin singing Defying Gravity, but I don't think he could hit that high note at the end. No, but he could alter the song where it would still sound good. I I would be down with hearing that. It's a little cliche, but I'd still be down to hear it. So the next morning, I I assume after some of that amazing sex that we've been hearing about, Chad and Veronica are like, intimate moments, please. (laughs) Intimate moments, right? They seem to be getting along. He's like, I'm going to stay in Riverdale for a few days. And she's like, yeah, it's been fun having you here. And then later on, she's going to tell him about her idea to open the jewelry store because she likes being back in Riverdale. It's good for her soul. And he's like, I want to make sure that I'm welcome in Riverdale too. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I need your love and support and whatever. And she's like, okay, we're not buying a house. We're going to stay in the five season or wherever this is, the Pembroke, because I love the apartment, but we can remodel it, have a clean slate. Also, I do think it's funny that like most of the characters, especially like Archie, it appears that he's moved into whatever his parents' bedroom was, but Veronica's still just staying in like her childhood bedroom. At the Pembroke, her bedroom is massive. I'm sure it has an ensuite. Like, what's the what's the appeal of moving into her parents' room? It's probably not that different, except for it's probably like super dark colors and not her vibe. Yeah, probably. So they later on talk about like their plans. He they've worked it out. He's gonna come to Riverdale every other weekend, blah, blah, blah. But then he starts name dropping Hiram and being like, Oh, Hiram said that like I could stay here more permanently and help out with the Sodal property. And I think it's interesting that Veronica doesn't mention like wait you're talking to my dad because I would have assumed maybe 
Veronica went to New York and just like never mentioned her dad again, but I would have assumed that she told her husband like, hey, I'm not on good terms with my dad. We don't like him collectively, but it seems like she's just never mentioned him or something. You'd think that based on Hiram not being invited to the wedding that Chad would put together, like maybe they're not on good terms. Yeah, so I don't really know what's going on here. Honestly, I'm I'm already over this. Like Veronica being married, this is a person that she has picked to be married to and it would have, yeah, it would have been great to see like some pros, some cons, some interesting back and forth, but everything he did in this episode that could be construed as positive, like bringing her flowers, showing up, whatever, it all comes off very overbearing. I'm watching you. I just want to be here to like keep an eye on you. You know, he frowns when Archie walks into her classroom at one point, like all of that kind of thing. There's, I see a no positive in him. Like there's nothing positive. Well, like, I think he's supposed to be hot, but... There is one shot of him, I think it was in the morning, and, like, I can say this as a person with a baby face. He has, in, like, a certain angle when he was laying down, he had a major baby face, and then it was, like, after he straightened up and, like, started speaking again that it it, kind of went away, but, oh, that was funny. There's nothing wrong with having a baby face, but, like, mm, I just don't think he's so cute. I don't know. It's just funny that I, okay, I don't know how to explain this. When they were high schoolers, it was all so ridiculous that I kind of just went with it. But now that they're supposed to be an age that's much closer to mine, if they're in the 24 to 25 sort of range, it like seems even more unrealistic to me because I'm like, no, because all the people I know are in that age range and or a little older and like they're not, you know, wolves of Wall Street and they're not But that's whatever. what these people are. I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating. Okay. So this is where we get the sort of big issues I have with Chad. So Archie's going to show up because Archie's had his whole subplot where he's looking for money this episode. And he's like, hey, Veronica, trying to get some money to restart the Bulldogs. And she's instantly like, yeah, of course. I was a vixen. Got to support my Bulldogs. Here's the money. Literally, it's no big deal. Now, I do feel like when Archie goes over, he should have seen that Chad was also there and then sort of like rephrased the conversation being like, you two, the both of you, I'd like to sit down and propose this in a more professional manner and not just ask my ex-girlfriend for money, but like understand that it's the two of you. I just think that's like the more adult thing to do. And it's just weird because he doesn't like pivot at all when he sees that Chad is still there. No, he just kind of like looks at him. He's still, he's like, oh, you're still here. Okay, Veronica, we need $20,000 from you. And it's like, even if he wasn't going to ask the both of them and be professional, he at least should have still been professional with Veronica. It's not like they're still together. It's not like they've been in close contact the last seven years. At least be like, hey, let's go get a milkshake at Pops. And then they sit down over a milkshake and he's like, listen, like, remember the good old days when you were a river vixen and I was a bulldog and I want to give the kids of tomorrow that same experience. Can you help us do like something like that at least makes sense to me. It, it's weird to just go at night. Well, because that's part of why I, why I really hate Chad in this scene. So Chad pivots and he's like, actually, you're a man of honor. You're a man of pride. You don't want to be taking handouts. I have a new idea. We'll give you the money at no expense to being paid back, but we want you to renovate our apartment. Which renovating that apartment is actually a more expensive job than the $20,000, I would say. For like the quality of work that they're going to do and the amount of changes they're going to make, I guarantee you it would cost more than that. So they like... It's not really cool. Yeah. I also feel like Archie should be like, yeah, I really don't have time for that. I've got like a couple other jobs, but um, I'm happy to pay you back. 
So, but like, how was Archie supposed to pay them back? Because if he had $20,000, he would just sponsor the team himself. I don't know. He'll pay them back some somehow. I'm assuming he's getting paid to do this job, the teaching job. Yeah, but then he still has like living expenses. Is there still a mortgage on his house that he I'm needs to pay? I'm not saying it wouldn't take him like a year or two to pay him back. You but... think it would only take two years to pay back $20,000? I'm assuming that this is in a world where Archie's also like got multiple side businesses because I'm sure that will happen. I think even with all these side businesses, Archie is not making enough money to pay back $20,000 in two years. I think he has living expenses. Does he? Yeah. Everyone needs to eat. I assume he has a cell phone bill. I assume, like, he probably, Archie probably doesn't really have debt, but if there's, st- I'm sure there's still a mortgage on the house that I, he'd better have taken over the mortgage, like, if he's the one living there. Also, why doesn't he have $20,000? Like, if he's had almost no living expenses and hasn't done anything for himself over the last seven years of being in the army, shouldn't he have some money? Well, and especially, too, since he went overseas, because normally when you're deployed, you don't even pay tax on that income. Right. I, I'm, like, all of a sudden, I'm confused about why he doesn't have any money. Archie probably I mean, should have $20,000. Yeah, he probably should. I mean, if you're because in the army like, for seven years. It's not like he had to, like, he doesn't, he didn't go to school, so he doesn't have to pay, like, tuition or any student loans. He doesn't have children. His, he's not, like, he's not, like, his mom, sending money home. His mom is, like, a high-power lawyer, so it's not like she, like, needs his money. Yeah, why doesn't Archie have money? <laughs> I don't think he needs to necessarily be rich. No, but, like, if this is his life's goal to, like, start up this football team, Like, then... he probably has some savings, definitely a pension and all of that, which he obviously couldn't touch. Yeah. But, like, Archie should at least have some of the money. Like, I don't think he should be asking for the full amount. No, I mean, I could believe that he has been like using the money that he's made for charity or something or like giving it to some kind of cause but i i don't yeah and then you get money money. back when you make donations i don't know all right we'll circle back to this see if they ever answer that question but whatever this needs to set up a new plot with archie and veronica and chad so that's why we're doing this yeah so he's really gross he says awesome sauce it's disgusting archie leaves okay the moment that chad said awesome sauce i felt like i was disassociating because i i didn't realize that that was something that people would even consider saying in the year 2021. I was like, is it 2006? Like, what's happening? No, we're not. We're ignoring the 2021. It is 2027. That's no, what we're going with. it is 2021 and women can no. have it all, like Veronica told me. We cannot use that horrible metric of their math being wrong. This I, is but okay. I think based on the Jughead plotline that maybe it's intentional with the aliens. Okay, so here's... No, we're not very serious with me right now. I'm not. I'm over this. So for the audience, because you can't see this, Mary has like the most straight face. There is not a (laughs) crease, not a crack on her face, not a grin. Her, she's just like looking at me like, is this really happening? Did you really just say that to me? Like she, I, she's, I, 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 she might be mad, but she's definitely disappointed. I'm definitely disappointed. (laughs) I'm disappointed that we've spent 30 minutes talking about this and we're still on Veronica. So I want to wrap this up. But here's the part that I felt like definitely hit a little too close to home. This was all way too familiar. She's like, hey, that was really rude. You're being kind of a dick. Because I feel like while he has a point that it's also his money that is giving Archie and that she shouldn't have like volunteered to just give the money right away, she has a point that it's also her money and that like they need to be making this decision together, you know? Like, hey, maybe Archie, you help renovate one room and we'll give you $10,000. How does that sound? Like that would be a compromise, but they don't seem to know how to do that. It's just like whoever speaks last or whatever. Yeah, they're 
no compromises in Riverdale. Co- couples don't have conversations. They just have sex. Also, I just feel like I can't believe Archie fell for the whole like, oh, you're a, you don't want to be taking handouts. You're a man of honor thing. Like he should have been like, that's not, you're not going to like trip me up with this No, stupid, it totally makes macho. sense though, because I just think about Fred Andrews. Like that's how Fred Andrews would have felt. And I think, I know, I think that I when it. Chad said that, it like activated Archie's lizard brain and he was like, yeah, my dad wouldn't have taken okay, a hand out another but Archie tries to do the exact same thing to Cheryl and like play the Jason card and this guy's basically playing the Fred card and Archie falls for it. Yeah, Archie's anyway. dumb. What We've been new. Yeah, yeah. So what he says in response to Veronica saying he's a, he's a, I think she says a dick or a jerk or something. Yeah, he, she said, why are you acting like a dick? Yeah, and he says, oh my gosh, I've been so nice since I've been here. I brought you flowers. I sang karaoke. I've been nice to your stupid friends. And so this is something that I have experienced before, which is someone doing nice things just so that they can like keep track of them and use them as a list in the future of like, I did this, therefore I'm allowed to be rude or mean or not Mm -hmm. do something else. When it's like, whoa, I didn't realize that those nice things you were doing, which really, if you really look at them, are just like things you should be doing as my husband or or boyfriend. Right. Like those things should not be used as ammo for why you get to not be nice later or whatever. And that is very, very classic, like, emotionally manipulative behavior. So when you look at is Chad abusive or not, I think it's hard because people get hung up on this word abuse, right? I I think that a lot of people don't understand or maybe just think, okay, if someone's being abused, it means that they're being physically abused, that someone is, like, beating them up. But there's there's just so many different levels to it. There are. And I think it's hard when you know someone and you see their good sides, you see their bad sides. The person that I experienced this behavior from was not Chad, where it was like 99% bad from the looks of it. They were probably closer to 70% or 75% good. It's just you shouldn't have to deal with 25% bad in a relationship. You shouldn't have to. You know, there's going to be some negative things, but you're going to work on them out and you shouldn't have to deal with any of that. But the the situation is hard when, like, there, there are people who are just crappy boyfriends or crappy husbands who are not necessarily abusive. You can be crappy and be a jerk or be a dick without being abusive. You can, and you might be emotionally manipulative. And and, and I think the, the thing there is like whether or not there is malicious intent or or whether or not this is like they're just being careless. Like there's there's sort of like a, there's a finite area there, I think. I, I think that intent isn't necessarily as important because I think a lot of people do really bad things and are abusive and they don't think they're doing anything wrong because they think that the, they deserve whatever they're trying to get or they think that they're better than or like they don't I don't think people realize necessarily that they are being toxic or bad I think that it looked like intent is important but like the impact is also super important yeah it's not it's not an end-all be-all but I'm thinking like th- that you can have people who are nice in some ways but then also I mean everyone has know, nice moments right like right. nobody is going to get into a relationship with someone who's like 100% mean from the start, right? Like there's always a reason why you end up in the situation. Like the person, like I've experienced a lot 
lot of this stuff as well. And it's not, it didn't start as like, oh, I, this is a bad person. I'm just going to date them. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, I really like this person and they really like me. And then slowly over time, it turns into something where you're like, whoa, what happened here? Like, how did we get here? Right. And and this is why I would love to know from Veronica, like, why she did start dating this guy in the first place. Because it sounds to me like what she said is, hey, they had really good sex and they were both very passionate in the beginning. That's not a reason to marry someone. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, was Chad, did he hide this stuff? Was he really good until they got married? Until Was it really after the accident that this happened? Was he using it as an, as an excuse? Like, what was it? I would not be surprised if we somehow find out that, like, he partially planned the accident just to, like, you know, because like, it's a TV cause, show. Because he felt like she was, like, f- sliding away from him and Something. he was like, oh, I'll secure her. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so my question here is, was Chad put on this show to make Archie look better by comparison? Ha! Do you, well, okay, here's the thing. You and I are famously not the biggest Archie fans, right? Is but that an objectively good no, but guy. Like, is, is that a common sentiment to not love Archie? Because if so, I could totally see them bringing in a, like, a very rude character like this to try and make us like Archie better. So I think it really depends on how you're watching the show because I watch some other Riverdale like commentary things on YouTube and this one person in particular is always talking about how Archie is like so unrealistic for a high school student being so ripped and with the six pack and the buffness and like I think for me I've always kind of looked at him and been like okay I guess you're fine but there's also other attractive people on the show. There's always been someone I preferred more and this episode was the first time because they had like a close-up zoom of Betty running her hands down his chest and I'm like oh wow he is really ripped I've like never noticed that before and it's probably always been there you've never noticed that he's that ripped I mean I've always been like yeah Archie has muscles but I've never like paid attention to it and this was the first time that I sort of saw it so I think like there is certainly a class of people who find Archie to be boring to be that sort of sexy lamp but like I think people have always thought that he was like an intriguing person to watch or that they they liked the actor at the very least I don't know I'm not really sure I think it's probably 50-50. But I certainly think that I would take boring Archie any day over just like this horrible Chad guy. Oh yeah, no, Chad is uh, pure evil. And like the th- here's the thing that really makes me mad about Chad, okay? So Chad is like supposed to, like obviously Chad went to prep school, Chad went to the best college, Chad got into finance, Chad comes from money, right? He is filling the role that we could have just had Brett filling if they hadn't killed him. Because at least I liked Brett, Brett better. had layers. Like Brett it was like, ooh, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? What's going on? And like, yeah, he was a dick, but he wasn't a dick. Like, Chad is a dick. And it's, uh, like, again, both probably bad, but at least he was, like, interesting. Well, it's because Brett was a Draco Malfoy, right? He had, like, he was a scaredy cat when it came down to it. He wasn't gonna be, he was all talk, but he couldn't actually do things. Like, when Betty is there and, like, hits him over the head, you know, when he tries to scare them, he's like, hey, why'd you do that? Like, aw, this hurt. I wasn't really going to attack him. Like, he was a horrible guy, too, but he had interesting personality. He's like the Scooby-Doo villain, where he's like, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for right. those kids. Like, <laughs> which Man, is just I'm such a Brett. more fun energy. I know, me too. What was the actor's like, name? Brett, Brett and Brett Donna. Donna? Donna, I think, but, will come back. I love Donna. What, the actor's name? I don't know. For Brett. Brett Weston Wallace. Loved him. Ugh, should bring him back. Anyway, so all of this happens. The other thing that Chad does in this scene that's very emotionally manipulative is he, like, the second that she's like, whoa, he starts saying nice things again. Like, oh, I didn't mean that. I did enjoy hanging out with your friends. He like immediately backtracks, says it won't happen again the way he was acting with Archie. 
and she just kind of like, okay, I forgive you. And then he mentions like, oh, let's go to this restaurant that Hiram mentioned. Like, why, why is he talking to Hiram? Oh, so frustrating. And also it's like, oh, I've had too many greasy burgers. Oh, I couldn't face another milkshake. Grow up, Chad. Go get a friggin' burger. Who do you think you are? I'm sure they have other stuff at Pops. And they have like chili and stuff. They, I mean, they definitely have like a pot pie at the very least. Sure. Like there's sure. other options besides a burger. And Veronica wants a burger, so let her have it. Yeah. So the next morning, Veronica tells Chad that they need to pump the brakes. She's like, I came here because I needed to have some space, figure myself out, and we're gonna we're gonna do that. We need to not be planning all of this stuff, packing your stuff for you. And he's like, Does it have to do with Archie? And she's like, No, it has to do with me. I'll I'll call you later, basically. I'll let you know when it's time to talk. 100% he's not leaving town. He's going to Sodale or he's going to go talk to Hiram or something. I'm actually shocked that we didn't see him in the room with Hiram and Reggie at the end of the episode, but I don't like that. I think that. that's happening. I don't Because want here's it. the thing. If Veronica's like, we're going to take a break and you're going back to New York, there's absolutely no reason why Archie needs to be like fixing her house. He could just like, she could just give him the money at this point. I want Chad to be gone. I hate him. I hope he dies or goes to jail and not Hiram's jail, like real jail. Real jail. All right, let's talk about Betty. So Betty's whole plot, she's worried about Polly, and so Archie wants to distract her, so they look for a place to hook up, and they use the car in the shop. It's very Titanic. It's very Red Hand Titanic. They're trying to be Titanic, but they could never be. You know, Titanic is that girl. Yeah, yeah. So Tony is going to talk to Betty about Polly, and she's like, some of the truckers and the serpents have been asking around, seeing if they see Polly, and they've seen her before at some of the truck stops. She'll either be dealing with ghoulies or hooking up with truckers. A lot of the truckers meet, uh, arrange these meeting on Ned's list. Ned's declassified school survival guide list. Yeah. So Betty's going to use the twin's laptop and find out that Ned's list uh, has an account under Patty where she is meeting up with Trucker Boy 69. Farm Guy 69! Yeah, I was gonna say, is that a is that a close enough cigar to Farm Guy sixty nine? So here's the thing: I think technically, in the terms of Riverdale, it is not a close but no cigar for Farm Guy sixty nine because it's not about him. But I think for Kowski cast, it's a close but no cigar of Farm Guy sixty nine. Yeah, Farm Guy 69, Trucker Boy 69, so great. Betty is going to, like, send a message to the trucker, and Kevin's kind of, like, her sidekick in this plot. He doesn't really do anything, but he's there, and they plan to go to the truck stop. They go there, and Betty's going to confront the trucker in her FBI jacket, because of course she is. Hey, I'm just surprised we've seen her ever not in it. Yeah, she takes him to the satellite office, which they have clearly not packed up completely. And she's going to question him. I don't know how she's allowed to do this. Whatever. Oh, and she's he's not. Like, if the FBI knew what she was doing, she would know, be in trouble. So yeah. And he's like, I did meet pa- uh, Patty three nights ago. I took her for a ride, but she freaked out half a mile down the road and took off running. So she goes home and her and Alice end up going to that stretch of highway where they find Polly's stuff, her wallet, yeah. her purse, that kind of thing. But they don't find her phone. So they're like, well, why don't we track herself? phone. Why was that not the first thing they did like two days ago? I mean, I think that two days ago, there was still the possibility that she had just kind of gone missing on her own and nothing suspicious had happened because it seems like that's something that Polly has done a lot or at least has a history of doing. And so I think that they they didn't realize how serious it was until they had found this evidence. Like once they know she doesn't have her wallet, then it's like, oh, this is real. Right. So they're going to realize that her phone 
is in this area called Swedlow Swamp, and her and Kevin and her mom are going to go searching around there, trying to just continue calling her phone, hoping that... I feel like the battery would have died if it was three days ago. There's no way that there would still be a battery on that phone, especially since it seems like it's a super remote area. It probably would have been searching for a signal and, like, died. Right. Like, it would have been roaming, and it would have just died. Right. Like, my phone doesn't last a day. Yeah, I mean, my phone might last a day if I'm doing nothing, but yeah. if I'm in an area with, like, good service where it's not, like, constantly trying to look, so I don't know. By the end of the episode, we hear the phone ringing, and they find the phone, and we hear, see them searching, but we don't see if they find Polly or not, so. Cliffhanger. Well, I think that this is, I think that this plot line connects with um, what Jughead found out about today. That's my personal theory. Really? I okay, think, I, I did not has, make that connection. I think it has to do with the Mothman, and then especially with, like, Polly's phone gets found in the middle of, like, a remote, large area where there could be, like, a spaceship or whatever. Um, Which, not that I think that there's necessarily actually aliens, but I think that there's something that makes people believe that there's aliens. The only reason I'm not sure about this is the location that they give for where the Mothmen are is off the Lonely Highway by the caves. And I didn't see any caves here in this swamp area, but maybe it's, like, close to that. I'm not sure. I mean, it's off of the, uh, quote-unquote, Lonely Highway still. So it's, it's hard because we don't know about this highway, about the exits, about any of it, right? So it's just hard. But I, I do think that there's some sort of connection with the missing women and who we... Th- I think that the the Mothmen are actually probably just like serial killer or something. What what about the... um? What about the demon truck we saw in the first episode? I mean, it's a very common thing. Like, there is there was a study a couple of years ago and basically the conclusion was like, there are definitely at least one... There's definitely at least one serial killer operating in the States and Canada, like, along trucking routes. And so it's a very logical conclusion that there are serial killers that are truck drivers that don't get caught because they... But you think the serial killer who is the truck driver who's not getting caught is also related to the Mothman? I think it could be related to the Mothman. I'm not like... I think I came out a little strong there. I think that there could be a connection and and I think that it's a connection because I think they did a good job of not connecting them yet. And I think that they're going to find some way for it to connect, like, by the end of the season. Even if they didn't plan it yet, I think it'll come together. Because they want Jughead and Betty's plot lines to intersect. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. I we just, I just think it's too soon. I'd say like I don't want their plot lines to intersect until at the very minimum the end of this season. No, we'll they see. can't do that. They have to make it be some kind of a love triangle. Here's here's my big question. Do you think Polly's going to be alive or do you think she's going to be dead? Okay. Here's the part where I'm going to sound like a horrible person. I pray to God that woman is dead because I'm sick of her shit on this show. But do you think she's going to be dead? She's either dead or she's going to just like... I mean, we haven't seen her body, so there's a good chance that she'll come back. I don't think she's going to be dead. I, I think she, she might be locked up somewhere. I, I don't think she's dead. Do you think she's locked up by the um, trash bag killer? That's more my gut. I, I don't think these are... I think there's just separate plots. They could be. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Let's talk about Jughead and Tabitha, who have a small plot together. He is deciding to write his new book that's going to be about small town Riverdale, and it, it seems to be more nonfiction-y, I guess, although his first one was kind of nonfiction, I, too. Yeah, so. I mean, I think the thing is, is he's doing all of his research or whatever, and then he's going to write it and just, like, change the names with, like, really bad fake names. Classic. So Tabitha, apparently, we get some of her backstory. She left a six-figure job in Chicago, 
and something to do with like being a CEO. Uh, I'm assuming she's a little bit older maybe than the rest of them because he's like, oh, I can't believe that any company wouldn't want you to be their CEO. I'm like, that's not how, like, you don't just like study CEO ship and then become a CEO of a company at the age 25. Like, that's not really how it works. I think that, like, the impression I got is that Tabitha's a little bit older. She probably has like an MBA and was working kind of in like the corporate realm, moving up that ladder. She was making six figures. And then, I mean, she said it herself. She got the opportunity to be the CEO of her family business and do something meaningful with it. And I can understand why someone would find that appealing. I like that they mentioned that she's the one who put in the gas pump because I did think that was new. I thought, like, I was like, I don't remember seeing that before. Um, So she wants new merchandising, franchising, etc. Some kids come in and recognize Jughead as one of their teachers and they kind of like mess with him at school a little bit by like leaving a tip jar on his desk. And so he gives a pop quiz on the book that none of them have read. I don't know how they're surprised about this. Like, yeah, kids, this town may suck, but like, or this non-town may suck, but you still have to learn stuff. Like you can't just sit there and do nothing. Yeah, at least read the cliff notes. Like, come on. So when they go to karaoke night, Jughead and Tabitha are like throwing darts and she's like, hey, you should talk to old man Dreyfus for your book and ask him about the Mothman. And you can tell Jughead's a little bit like, "Uh uh-huh, Mothman, sure. He's like, give me his number. And Tabitha's like, oh no, he doesn't have a phone. I was a little bit, like, I was pleasantly surprised with old man Dreyfus. I thought he was going to be really creepy, like the guy who told Jughead about the Riverdale Reaper a long time ago, back in like season two. Mm -hmm. That guy was creepy. But this guy, I mean, he's he's a little odd, but he's he's just more like the the setting of his He's he's more place uh, is like creepy. eccentric and less right. like creepy. Yeah, so Jughead goes to his house and he's like he tells this story about how him and some of his pals went off to work in a mine off the lonely highway. And people keep getting taken up one at a time. Like one guy would get taken up and then like come back, and every single time they said that they were taken by the Mothman in their ship, they came back. So Dreyfus is saying that he is hoping for the Mothman to come back for him. He wants to be up in their ship like the rest of them got to be. So it sounds like he was maybe the only one who didn't get taken. So yeah, I like this guy. Jughead, though, is going to try to track down any of Dreyfus's old friends, but they're all dead from cancer. And so his thought is like, maybe there was radiation in the spaceship I, Here's the something. thing. First and foremost, old people die of cancer a lot. Like, I, I think that he's really searching for a link. It was hard for me to tell how old this guy was, though. I mean, he could have been like 60. I don't know. Could have been older. It's just hard to tell. It's, yeah, you could tell me that that man was anything from 60 to 90 and I would believe you. Yeah. I I don't know. I think it's kind of gross to be like, ooh, cancer. Maybe it's a conspiracy. Like, I just, it, it doesn't sit right with me. I do think it's interesting that they all died, like, the exact same way, though. I mean, he he didn't get specific. Well, but he didn't say that it was even the same type of cancer, but it also could be that they were working in a mine and there was something about the mine that... Well, and that's much more realistic, right? That that it was, like, Or they were working... Like, it didn't say that they always worked in the mines, so maybe at some point they had worked with, like, insulation and been around asbestos a lot. Like, we have no idea about anything, and so that's why it just kind of, like, I don't know, it doesn't sit right with me to be like, mm, cancer, Let's make him mysterious. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a stretch, but I feel like Jug- Jughead was also like, I don't know, I'm just trying to put the pieces together. He doesn't know what's going on either. Yeah, it's mm, now he's solving a mystery with Tabitha. I don't. I like Tabitha though. She's fun. Yeah, she's, she's like, too I'll good help for you him. Out. Like I like her too, like too much for her to be drawn into this BS. I think. Look, if we're not gonna give Jughead a hat, shave his little gross beardling and mustache. And though. Fangs more, can pull it off. He can't. More importantly, get Jughead a hat. He needs a 
hat. His face is one that works better with a hat. Point blank and the period. Get him a hat. What about like a little crime solving hat? Like a Sherlock hat? I don't know. Absolutely Maybe. not. No. Get him <laughs> a friggin' beanie. It's hot, probably. It's probably the summer. I don't care. He didn't seem to care about that before because he was always in that hat. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Archie. Do we have Archie, to? There was so there was a fire that was started in the school back when Betty and Jughead, I mean, Betty, Betty and Archie and were, sorry, were hooking up. By the way, they hook up again later in the episode at Archie's house. So how do we feel about this? Like, uh, is this just going to slowly develop into feelings or, or what? Alre- What's going on? It already is. Like, you, after their hookup in his house, when they're all cuddled up and they've got the music swelling to, like, try and make you feel something, it's like they really couldn't just let two adults have casual sex they really they really just couldn't do it i do feel like there's way too much history with them for it to be completely casual i know but i think what they're doing is they're gearing up to like really do the betty veronica archie love triangle i'm i'm okay with it look mix it up let's give it something fun i'm just sure don't like archie i'm sorry i just think his face looks like a little boy but compared to chad yeah we like him better than chad oh the bar is underground now i'm sorry like you have to be a little bit better than that like come on (laughs) Archie's like yeah the fire I was night jogging and I saw it and they all think that it's the Stonewall Stallions football team kids who started the fire and Reggie's the coach of course so Archie goes to talk to Reggie and he just punches him in the face which is immediately it's so funny I love that though because it's like dude we're adults like yeah. Yes, and I, adults I'm communicate punch you. by punching in the face, of course. No, I guess what I mean is, like, there's not going to be a principal to run in and break this up, you know? Like, I'm, I just think it's funny. I mean, I'm surprised that the entire football team there didn't, like, raise just a hand. Archie. Like, you'd think that yeah. someone would have then grabbed Archie and been like, hey, that's our coach, man. Yeah, I am kind of surprised about that. So Archie's like, you boys, we're going to beat you on the field. And then he goes back to school and he's like, okay, so I'm going to need to start a football team. Now, explain this to me because I don't understand football. He says he only needs a 11 people. I'm pretty sure that's like, don't you need more? 11? And then later on, he says that they're like playing both sides of the ball. What does that mean? Does that mean everyone's playing offense and defense? Like, I don't understand how this works. I feel like football teams are bigger than 11 people. Am I wrong? I, I Here's the thing. It's, I'm not the person to ask about this, but it says that a match is played by two teams, each with a maximum of 11 players. Oh, no, this is... No, I, sorry. I need to look up American football. I don't understand. I mean, maybe there's only 11 people on the field at one time, but like, yeah, but you gotta it's, have it's subs. A, it's and stuff. eleven, and then both teams can freely substitute players between downs. So yeah, they would definitely need more than eleven people to have it. Like, I'm sorry, you're expecting these eleven people who've never played sports before to just suddenly be able to play the entire football game? Like, it doesn't make sense. So Archie's gonna recruit some kids. First off, he's like, "Hey, great, you six people who are in ROTC, we're taking you." And they and all they seem say, down. Sir, so like, yes, whatever. sir. And then two kids in Jughead's class and two kids in Veronica's class are gonna play. One kid in each of those classes has a Riverdale like varsity jacket so did there used to be a team or is there some other kind of varsity sport maybe it's just like a fashion statement I don't know I don't know anyway and then a girl named Britta in Betty's class wants to play I hope Britta becomes a more interesting like I hope she's she's there I hope she becomes a bigger character yeah we got a woman she's in shop class and she wants to join the football team hell yeah she seems cool I was also very happy that we didn't get any kind of plot line at least yet I'm sure the Stonewall Stallions will 
say something, but like I'm glad that none of the kids were like, oh, she can't play, or like Archie wasn't like, oh, are you sure? Oh, because I think that it, what's gonna happen is they're gonna, ha- it's gonna be time for the first big game, and then it's gonna be like, oh, look at this school district guideline that girls can't play football, and then it's gonna like be a thing. Oh, you think it's gonna be a technicality that like Reggie tries to pull? Yeah, a hundred percent. Interesting. I don't know. We'll find out. But she seems cool. Like her, she had a really cute hairstyle at one point in this episode. I like Britt a lot. And then Archie's like, okay, but now we just need the money. It costs $20,000 for a football team? Is that, does that sound real? How much would, how much does football equipment cost? I could believe it. Well, I guess they need uniforms and jerseys and like padding and, yeah. and then the Letterman jackets. Well, and all of that stuff where they have to like run through it on the field and push the heavy stuff around. I mean, I do think there's probably a way to do it for a budget. I mean, a lot of that like gym equipment surely exists still. I don't know, unless Hiram got rid of all of it. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, so Tony's like, uh, we don't have the money for that in the budget because that money is already going to something else, which we later find out is because she made it a priority in the budget last year for a cheerleading squad. And Archie's like, but they don't even have a team to cheer for. And I love that Tony says, no, they're going to be a sports team and they're going to actually do competitive cheerleading, which is cool. I like that. Yeah, no, it's really cool. But what is really, I think it's weird that Tony's in the HBIC shirt. Like, you, lady, you're not on the team. You are an adult. You are a super supervisor. It's weird. Yeah, but we had that other woman who came in yeah. to coach cheerleading and, what and she to was her? like- She died, okay? She died. I don't think Cheryl's gonna kill Tony. I mean, she's mad. She might. She is mad. Archie tries to get the money from Cheryl, plays the Jason card. Uh, Cheryl's gonna get really upset about that, which is fair. But I think that it, I think it would have actually worked if Cheryl wasn't having financial difficulties. Maybe, maybe. Jughead is going to tell Archie that if he promises to never bring up the highs and lows of high school football again- that he might ask Tabitha to sponsor the team. And I, okay, first of all, I laughed out loud at this moment. But second of all, second of all, how many times was Archie giving that speech? Because Jughead was not in Leopold and Loeb. So how would he know that Archie had said that specific thing? This was fan service and I don't want to be pandered to. Okay, Riverdale? See, I do. I thought it was great. Pander to me all you want. I thought that was so funny. condescend to me about the highs and lows of high school football. The most iconic line in the series. How dare they? That's not the, that's not the it most It is the most line. iconic line in the series. No, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. No. <laughs> because icon- the, the most iconic line is what Alice says. It's about no, the kids. The, here's the thing. You're naming things that are like iconic for us as Riverdale podcasters and maybe people listening to a podcast about Riverdale. There are so many TikToks about the highs and lows of high school football moment. It's like a cultural phenomenon. Okay, but it's not, even bringing it back is not the most iconic line of this season because that is damn it, Miss Crouton. Oh, yeah. Damn it, Miss Crouton. That's, ugh, you backstabbing bitch. So funny. So funny. I, I, my favorite thing is realizing that Miss Crouton is an actual Archie Comics character. Yeah. So that's when Archie decides to go ask Veronica. And by the end of the episode, he gets lockers and uniforms and everything. And Veronica is like, my name is Lodge now. Cushy just decides what her surname is. It's, it's fine. And then Hiram or Reggie or somebody sets a fire uh, around Archie's house. Archie's garage and back porch on fire. Yeah, that's rough. That's like a that's a 
pretty extreme. I did. What I liked a lot is Archie sees that the whole garage is on fire, opens the door, and then it's like, what am I doing? And closes the door. <laughs> I liked that a lot. <laughs> yeah, how like, do you think they're going to get out of this one? I mean, well, there's no fire department. Yeah. So, <laughs> Which we like, know. This is a big problem that they need to figure out before it spreads to the house. And, and Betty and Alice aren't even next door. They can't, like, uh, come over and help because they're out at the swamp. Well, so I think they're, I think they're going to grab, like, Betty and, and uh, Alice's, like, garden hose, maybe. Uh, maybe get some buckets going. Maybe it's a thing where, like, since there's no fire department, when people in town see signs of a fire, they all join together with buckets and stuff. Like, I think something really weird. What people? The serpents! Oh my gosh. All right, we'll see. If they're not, you know, off being truckers, don't look at so, me like that. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so let's talk about a little tiny bit of Cheryl plot that we have here. You were right. She's trying to, to fake paintings and, and do Operation Goldfinch. Okay, I okay. I understand that portraits painted of the Blossom family would have been commissioned by very good artists who could conceivably be famous and their work would be lo- worth a lot of money. I am gobsmacked that her concept is, oh, yeah, this portrait of my brother is what I'm going to be recreating. Go recreate something actually, like, worth money. What are you doing? It's weird. Like, stop it. So here's what I don't get. Her idea is, hey, I have this expensive piece of artwork, so I'm going to paint a copy of it, have them come over and appraise the real one, and then give them the fake one. Why doesn't she just give them the real one? Like, is there, what, what, like, why does she need this expensive piece of artwork? I wish I could tell you. I really don't understand this. Because it's not like she's going to be able to, like, copy the Mona Lisa and then, like, sell that to someone. Like, they know where the real Mona Lisa is. Yeah, I'd, I'd, so it doesn't. Once she runs out of her own, like this is the thing you can only do once. Once she runs out of her own paintings in her well, own like, collection, wh- that's it. Well, and that's the thing too. Is if, like, why do you need all these very expensive paintings in your home if you can already copy them? Why not make a copy for yourself and then sell the real ones, make a ton of money, and then I don't know, waste it all constantly renovating your home? Is Minerva marble a real thing? I don't know. I didn't look her up. I'm looking her up. Minerva is not a character from Archie Comics. She's an original character. Okay, never mind. Well. She played somebody in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, though. Okay. Bad actress. In what season? I don't know. Doris calls her and tells her that the Vixens are back and Cheryl's really upset by this. And so she goes to Tony's office and she's like, how dare you steal my Vixens? What? She's Agatha? She looks so different in this than she does in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm going to send you how she looks in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina right now. I'm sorry. I'm like the Lord right now that that's who she is because that's it's she, she's like a pretty main character oh wow was she playing a kid in it, like a high like a high school student oh wow she's one yeah, of she the she's different. one of the three like which like the three sisters the weird sisters huh, cool wow so cheryl's like you stole my vixens what this was a team that existed before you don't like, understand if, cheryl's like ownership of the cheerleading if squad. cheryl wants to own the cheerleading squad and pretend that she formed it and it never existed before after they would be in red uniforms i'm sorry they would so like well not only that but like then come here and be the cheer be the cheer coach like what have you been doing if you care that yeah much? they wanted why her, is this the line they wanted her to come be a teacher she probably could have just come back and had the vixens so that's the episode Back to School yep. It's a 1986 movie where a guy, to help his discouraged son get through college, a fun-loving and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student himself, Rodney Dangerfield. And we did it. We did it. We did it. Okay, cool. Um, Close but no cigar. We have Ned list, Ned's List, mm-hmm. and we also have Trucker, Trucker Boy, Boy 69. 69. What a dream. Counts. 
Um, we ha- who is the most normal person of the week? Who did we say last week? Alice Cooper. I think it's Tab of the Tape. Hmm. Like I don't think it's Kevin. I don't think it's Archie. No. I don't Maybe think it's, Tabitha. it's I don't think it's Veronica. It's certainly not Chad. It's not Betty. It's not Jughead. What did Kevin do that was so non- I just think being normal. involved in, like, an investigation with Betty is, like, not normal. And also, he wasn't really in the episode that much. Like, even when he was there, he, like, barely said anything. Okay. I think it's a little bit weird that Jughead seems to be palling up with Tabitha because they work together, but, like, that she wasn't friends with- Like, don't you think Tabitha should be more friends with, like, Kevin or Tony or Fangs or, like, people who've been in town for long? Like, that they would have some sort of established relationship? I guess maybe not. You would think, but I guess not. I mean, I guess everyone is just leaving. Guess so. So, let's talk about some of our feedback we had for this episode. Zev says, Chad sticking it to Archie. I'm insecure in my relationship with my wife. To show her I'm the better man, here's an excuse to be in our home more often. By the way, I'll probably be in New York half the time. You kids have fun. Yeah, especially now that he's, like, more kicked out. He's just set up an area for Archie to come into their house and hang out with Veronica. This is dumb. Evil Roy says, what is it that makes a guy on TV show instantly recognizable as douchey? Is it the eyebrow work or just good casting in terms of Chad? I think it's good casting. Like, I think he, he's doing I, a I, great I job. Putting, yeah, putting someone in a suit, giving them a very, like, severely parted and, you know, combed haircut helps. I think the uh, look of someone who has, like, very freshly shaven face, like, I wake up and I put on my tie and I shave and I, I don't know. I feel like that works. Yeah, it just, like, the way they've styled him, the the way he looks, the way he's acting, he, they just did a good job. It, the eyebrows could contribute. Maybe. Erin says, biggest problem of the episode, in her opinion, is that we were robbed of Kevin singing Defying Gravity just to give Veronica's toxic, gross husband a moment of supposed cuteness. I agree. Yeah, I would have rather seen Define Gravity. Tron Legacy says the Chad storyline is growing on me. It is interesting to have a character who we know is who we know is strong dealing with non-cartoonishly abusive partner. Let's see how Riverdale screws it up. So saying that it's interesting to see a strong character like Veronica dealing with this. I don't think that the storyline is growing on me just because I I feel like if you're gonna have Chad be the villain, I need him to be different than Hiram. And right now he seems to be too similar. They don't know how to do a villain that's not like Hiram other than the incompetent serial killer like those there's two types of villains on Riverdale incompetent well, serial in the, killers in and the Hiram. one that worked which was the kids at Stonewall Prep. Yeah, and they Love killed them. them. They killed them. Brianna wants us to rank the most cringeworthy musical numbers only to put this episode's karaoke as the absolute worst. It's not the absolute worst because the absolute worst is still the snake dance. Does that count as a musical number? I think so. Wait, when Betty's like stripping? Mostly the part beforehand where Archie and Veronica are singing and then have break up and have a fight and then Betty has to come in and start singing and then the sound is just playing over the background while she strips. Yeah, I think that's pretty cringy. That is very cringe. It is weird when they have a teenage girl stripping you know especially because her mom is like watching and uh, there's just it's like and then she goes through all of that for what to not even be a serpent and then kyle picard says have you heard about fp and katie keen yes we have yeah and i wish i had not heard about it my thoughts are they're both adults and they are allowed to do what they wish but i don't have to like it yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a thing that's happening. I would prefer FP to just be on the show. Get him back with Alice. Uh, Tom Palmer said, these poor kids being forced to play two-way football because Archie has a grudge. 
I don't know what that means. What's two-way football? I don't know, but I assume it has to do with the fact that they only have 11 people. Like, because if they're playing, you know, like, normally you would have more so that in practice you could play against each other. Mm -hmm. But now I guess that they're going to have to, like, play both offensive and defensive roles so that they can play against each other. I don't really know. Zev agrees and says that, like, 11 is not enough for a team to be practicing. And then William McCarthy is going to just have shots fired at me saying that he can't watch until I finish the podcast from season two. You know what? Just get with the season five To be fair, five we times. haven't recorded all of the podcasts for season two. No, we've only recorded like two back episodes, but we'll get to them. Gregory McBean also had some things last week that were a little too late to get into the podcast, mostly asking us about were we surprised that the twins were older now, not babies. Yes, we were surprised pleasantly. How many episodes before Jughead and Tabitha are a thing? Hmm, I think three. one to two more before they like start hinting at it very obviously, three before they're an established thing. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Sounds about right. Riverdale is a commute away from New York, apparently. Does this track with the sticky note? I mean, if they have a private jet that can take them from Chicago to New York, yeah. No, it's in upstate New York. We know this now. I know, I know, but that doesn't track with the sticky note. Well, okay. we need a new sticky note then. We figured it out. <laughs> and then a couple other comments from Greg are, did you guys ever have summer reading to do in high school? Actually, we already covered that. Kirsten did not. She doesn't think it's a thing. She's against it. I don't think it I should definitely be a thing. Did. I don't think it should be a thing. I even think I had to read Of Mice and Men. I think that was a thing, but that was like before eighth grade. The most unrealistic thing about the episode is the fact that all the teachers somehow have time to go out on a Tuesday night. I mean, it's the first week of school. They, True. I don't think they're actually, I don't, act- I don't think they're on. actually prepping like real teachers would. They don't have any grading yet, so. I mean, Jughead wrote a pop quiz at some point in there, but sure. Who knows? Maybe he had already prepped that. Maybe it was from when he was in school and it was the old English teacher's pop quiz. Maybe that's that's very possible. And uh, and that's it for this week's episode. Nice little nice. And- episode next week we get a week off oh do we there's no episode next week oh look at you ahead of schedule don't tell me that because then i'll leave this till later no put this out and then do a season two one i will actually we are also going to be releasing an episode of twilight this week as well so we got uh got more things coming back for us exciting so on that note thanks for listening everybody we'll be back next time which will be two weeks from now i guess for episode seven which maybe we'll have more mothmen maybe it won't will archie and jughead get out of their house probably will the house burn down probably not because we just spent some time getting it back from the ghoulies so come back then until then you can follow me online at frail mary everywhere and you can follow kirsten everywhere at kirsten said what check out all the podcasts on all the things i will be on i know one of the big brother canada nine episode recaps this week i think on thursday so check that out on rhap kirsten you got anything going on oh hell yeah so bojack horse pod at bojack horse pod talking about bojack horseman every week we've got the temptation island wrap up on robhiswebsite.com slash temptation island and big brother canada's guilty stuff i don't know and follow me everywhere at kirsten said what yeah great until then nope yes until next time bye Yeah, why doesn't Archie have money? (laughs)